Was it possible that Brad was a pusher? Trying to forget what she'd seen would be useless, she knew, but the ramifications were more than she could deal with, too big to take in all at once. She was nearly home, just passing the commercial bank building, when she noticed two men standing in front of the cash machine. Kate considered crossing to the other side of the street, but they seemed so engrossed in conversation that they probably wouldn't notice her anyway. The man facing Kate was tall and well-built, familiar in a disturbing sort of way. In the dim light of the cash machine, she could see he was wearing a tuxedo, and his mouth was curved into an ingenuous smile. She sensed he was aware of her presence, though he gave no sign of it. Take it easy now, mate, he said in a thick Australian accent. If it's money you want, you'll have it. But the machine will only give me so much in a twenty-four-hour period. An almost dizzying sensation of mingled despair and excitement filled Kate. The voice, the accent, it couldn't be. It was then that Kate spotted the glint of a switchblade in the second man's hand. She was filled with instant ire. Thanks to Brad, she'd seen her share of crime for the day, and she was fed up. Without considering possible results, she spun her grandmother's purse on its chain until it became a whistling blur. When it struck the mugger in the side of the head, he dropped the knife. In the same instant, his knees folded, and he sank to the sidewalk in an unlikely position of prayer. The tall man collected the knife, recessed the blade with an unsettling expertise, and tucked it into his pocket. Nice work, Katie he said, reclaiming a gold credit card from the slot on the cash machine. But you shouldn't have taken a chance like that. The bleeder might have turned on you. Kate sank against the rough concrete wall of the bank, not trusting her knees to support her. Sean? she whispered. His white teeth flashed in the night. The mugger started to rise from the sidewalk, but his would-be victim pushed him back down with a light, deft touch of one foot. Kate thought she was going to be sick and put one hand to her mouth. Surprised to see me, are you? Sean asked. Kate lowered her hand. Holding her knees rigid and her backbone straight, she started to walk away. I'll call the police, she said woodenly. Sean stopped her by taking a light but inescapable hold on her elbow. No need of that, love, he said in a gravelly tone that made sweet chills ripple over Kate's soul. They're here already. Kate glanced toward the street. Sure enough, a black and white was pulling up to the curb. She considered having herself taken into protective custody until Sean Harris had gone back to Australia, where he undeniably belonged. What's going on here? asked the older of two officers. Sean explained, and the moaning mugger was hauled unceremoniously to his feet. Kate listened numbly as his rights were read, her teeth sinking into her lower lip. Sean's grasp on her arm never slackened. You and the lady will need to come to the station and swear out a complaint, said the younger officer. And if we don't? Sean asked, arching one dark eyebrow. They'll have to let him go, Kate answered. Can't have that, Sean replied lightly. My car's just up the street. We'll follow you. Both policemen touched the brims of their hats in a deferential fashion before hustling the prisoner into the back of the squad car. Sean fairly hurled Kate into the passenger seat of a late-model sports car parked half a block away. Well, he said when they were following the police, fancy meeting you here, Katie did. Kate folded her arms. First Brad's drug deal, then the mugging, and now this. Boy, had her horoscope been off target this morning. My parents would have appreciated a telephone call, she said stiffly, 
doing her best to ignore her former brother-in-law. They worry about Gil, you know. The reference to his young son did not visibly move Sean. At least Kate didn't catch him reacting, though she was watching him out of the corner of her eye. They know where we live, he replied, and this time his voice was as cold as a blue mountain snowfall. Kate unfolded her arms and tried to relax. It was almost incomprehensibly bad luck that of all the muggings she might have stumbled upon, it had to be Sean's. She hadn't seen him since Abby's funeral, and she'd hoped that she would never lay eyes on him again. She drew in a deep breath and let it out again slowly. Did you bring Gil with you? she asked. Now why would I drag the poor little nipper from one hemisphere to the other like that? he countered. Kate suppressed an urge to wind up her purse again and let Sean have it. Maybe because his grandparents would like to see him, she said. Because they'd like to take him away, you mean, Sean answered, and turn him into a proper little yank. He's half American, Kate pointed out, daring at last to turn in the car seat and look directly at Sean. His profile was rugged like the outback he loved so much. What's wrong with that? They had reached the police station, and Sean was spared having to answer for the moment. The next hour was consumed by the dubious process of pressing charges against the mugger. Kate seriously considered turning Brad in for pushing drugs while she was there, but she knew she couldn't do that without consulting her father. An unforeseen scandal might ruin his chances for re-election to the Senate. Kate had to give him time to prepare. She went to the telephone when she was through issuing her statement and dialed the familiar number. Her mother answered. It was late enough that the staff was off-duty. Blake residence. Kate braced herself. Mother, it's Kate. I'm at the police station and— The police station? The horror in Irene Blake's voice was unmistakable. Good heavens, what's happened? She's at the police station, dear. At this time, the senator himself came on the line. Kate winced, just as if she'd been there to see him wrench the receiver out of her mother's hand. What's this business about the police? So help me, Catherine. If you've been arrested, I'll fire you in an instant. Kate made an effort to control her temper. Of course I haven't been arrested, Daddy, she whispered into the phone, embarrassed. I happen to witness a mugging, that's all. Are you all right? The senator boomed. Now that he knew his career was safe, he could afford to be concerned about his daughter. Kate had never had any illusions about his priorities. I'm fine, she answered. Daddy, the reason I'm calling is that, well, I ran into Sean. Sean who? demanded the senator. Kate felt a sweet, shivery sensation from head to foot, and looking to one side, she found that the handsome Australian was standing mere inches away. She reminded herself that he'd been Abby's husband, that he was a liar and a womanizer. But the tremulous, taut bow feeling didn't subside. Sean Harris, she finally managed to reply, her cheeks burning. Sean's green eyes danced as he watched her color rise. Apparently he heard her father's question, for he took the receiver from Kate and spoke into it, his tone flippant and cool. You know, Senator, that no-gooder from down under, the one that married your elder daughter? Kate squeezed her eyes shut as she heard a burst of profanity explode on her father's end of the line. After a moment's recovery, she jerked the receiver out of Sean's hand and sputtered, Daddy, remember your heart! The senator went right on swearing. He finally hung up with a crash, but not before blurting out a nonsensical sentence that ended in, Bring that bastard here no matter what you have to do!
Sean had heard that, too. He rocked back on his heels, his wonderful eyes full of laughter. There's a welcome for you, he said. Kate had a headache. She sighed and opened her purse, but there was no sign of the little metal box of aspirin she usually carried. All she found were her keys and a credit card. He wants to talk to you about Gil, she said wearily. That's all. Sean didn't look at all convinced of that, but he offered Kate his arm and inclined his head to one side. All right, Katie did, he said. I'll face the lion in his den, but I'm only doing it for you. Kate assessed this man who had caused her family so much heartache and shook her head. He didn't look the least bit remorseful to her. Thanks a whole heap, she said. The lights of Seattle glittered and danced in the rearview mirror of Sean's car as he and Kate drove toward the Blake mansion. Even in the dim glow from the dashboard, she could see he was no longer amused. His jaw was set in a hard, ungiving line. The confrontation between Sean and the senator would not be a pleasant experience for anyone. Unexpectedly, Sean reached out and caught hold of Kate's left hand, his thumb pressed against the large diamond in Brad's engagement ring. Who's the lucky man? he asked. His tone was gruff, as though he was trying to be congenial and finding it difficult. Kate's heart ached as she remembered the scene in the lobby at the opera house. She opened the lid of her antique purse, slid the ring off her finger, and dropped it inside. There isn't one, she said sadly. She was almost thirty years old, and her time for finding husbands and having babies was running out. She felt rather than saw Sean's glance in her direction. Funny. Abby always said you'd be the one to settle down and have a family.